This is the Roaring Elephant Podcast, and here I am with my never misunderstood, always very, very clear co-host, Jon. Hello, Jon. Hello, Dave. I feel like a Mobius loop. Um... (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, we're doing one last attempt in our series about misconceptions, misunderstandings about open source, enterprise open source, and the likes of that. And in this last episode, we're kind of tying up the last misconceptions we had coming out of our own little brain pans. Mm-hmm. And the first one came from you, I think. I think so. Uh, so this this next one uh, is that there's no difference between an open source vendor and a proprietary vendor. Well, that's true, I right? They all want your money. That is true. <laughs> they do all want your money. That's that is true. I, I'll give you that. But I think there is a there is a fundamental difference in the, the there's a very difference in the selling motion, for example. There's a difference in the way that an open source vendor usually engages with uh, a prospect. Um, on the go-to-market side, very often an enterprise open source vendor will be talking to people that already like, already use their open source projects. Not always, but probably more often than not, those conversations and those uh, you know, those deals will come from organizations that are already in some way, shape or form passingly familiar with your open source project or offering. And this, I think, leads to a very different set of conversations than you would have with a a proprietary vendor. Like you can't you can't go and kick the tires on do you even like the way that the technology works? Do you even like the way that it deploys or the way that it feels or the way that uh, it interacts with the rest of your ecosystem you know with a proprietary vendor you know you have to go and talk to them and get a trial key and and or sign up for a service or you know do all of those things whereas with an open source vendor to a certain extent a lot of things are under your control as a consumer of open source first and foremost and you can decide if you want to approach open source vendor or whether maybe the open source offering is good enough for you yep. yeah it's a decent choice and i'm not sure if that's the thing you were talking about there but i was thinking about things like pocs povs things mm. like that yeah i mean uh, common acronyms proof of concept proof of value where in the commercial software because there is no downloadable even if it's a reduced functionality you can't if you don't buy it you don't get it so sure, yeah. as if I'm going to buy that thing, I want to make sure it works. So I need a proof of concept. I need a, the, the proprietary vendor to come in for free, uh, deploy it on one of my systems, show me how it works. Let me play with it for a little while before I give you that uh, multi-thousand, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, euro, dollars, whatever value contract. In an open source environment, that's typically not done because why would you want to do a POC that's paid by the enterprise vendor if you can just download the thing and have all the freedom in the world to kind of do it yourself mm. well the answer you can get is because that's not my job the vendor should do that yeah yeah yeah. but this is also the difference between the two 
sales yes. strategies. Yeah. This is open source. You're supposed to be part of it. You're not, you don't try to be just a consumer of open source. I'm not talking about uh, the whole thing about the not committing and only using that. As a user of the software, still try to participate in the culture of open source. Make mm. sure that you, again, understand who you're, do, who you're dealing with, what the culture is. Try to be in the same mindset and look at open source in an opportunity that you can learn a lot for yourself, understand the project, the product a lot better than it would ever be possible in uh, proprietary because there you can follow these training courses and that's all the information we give you. Most open source, the code is online, the documentation is online, is extensive, mm -hmm. communities exist. You are kind of, if you want to go for open source software, one of the powers of it is that you can do your own diligence by just downloading it and playing around with it in a controlled environment, little hobby setup, little dev test environment, and the whole proof of concept. I mean, I've been in a situation where somebody asked me, can you do a POC that Linux works? No joke. It's a long time ago, I admit, mm. <laughs> but it wasn't that long ago. So. That's not how you. That's not how the world works. Basically, you get all the advantages of open source. That does mean some things just don't make sense anymore. And asking a proof of concept to, to see if if the sun comes up tomorrow or, or the internet works or things like that. Don't do that if you're doing an open source environment. Don't expect the vendor to do that for you. And don't mm. feel bad when they say, "Sorry, we don't." If you want a POC, that's typically going to be a paid engagement. We can put some consultants at your doorstep and help you with your POC. Sure, we'll help you. But we don't feel we need to prove our software works. I mean, it's up there. Can, can we have a slight slight diversion here? Uh, like of course. A diversion down a, a windy side road. Hmm. I have a real... I have a, well, I have many real problems, but I have one <laughs> real problem <laughs> oh, <I> um, <laughs> worth, worth spending a little bit of time on here. And that's... Um, the the difference between a pov mm -hmm. and a poc mm -hmm. and i i loathe and detest the term poc can i add the because, third can i add a third term or term there go on then go for pilot I, I mean yeah pilot or trial i think well, it trial can be fourth. that's a different one again oh god here we go <laughs> all right so during the selling cycle I if if a customer or prospect mentions the mentions the the TLA the three letter acronym POC proof of concept I will almost always interject and just just try and understand do they really mean POC are they really mm -hmm. trying to prove that this fundamental concept actually works and if you dig into that, like, do you re to your one earlier, like POC on does Linux work? Do you really need a POC that Linux works? Like billions <laughs> of, of instances of Linux are out there at the moment at this point. Pretty sure it works just yeah, fine. Yeah, but that was last version. <laughs> so I, I do have a, I've had a number of conversations with people and mm -hmm. very often it's a, it's it's just a, a phrase that they throw out there without thinking about it but details matter 
and uh, quick Jack Reacher um, uh, reference there. The series, that is, not the terrible film. Um, if you're talking to someone about a proof of concept, that has several connotations, in my mind at least, and I always want to understand this from the prospect side of things. So a proof of concept to me is usually something that is A, pretty lightweight, B, it is to prove a fundamental concept works for them in some way, shape or form, or that it, it can work. It's usually no, also something that gets... No, it, it's proof of concept is that the concept works, not works yeah. for them. Okay. Because works for so, them, you're in the POV space. Okay. Well, maybe we'll get to that. But the the third thing is around, like a POC is usually, because it's lightweight and because it's just trying to prove a concept, they're usually throwaway. Like yeah. they're usually not things that are actually valuable. We'll get into the POV in a second. And then the third thing is they don't, because of all of those other three things, they don't usually reflect anything like what production would look like. They're, you know, you if you squint and sort of, you know, hold your hand up in front same. of your face, like it can kind of look like what production might be maybe, you know, if you look through a funny tinted wobbly window filter or something like that. Like, and all of those things compounded for me if someone wants to do a POC, I will say no. Like if they, if all of those boxes are ticked, I will say no. I'm sorry. Like we're not, we're not. We will show you, and we can talk to you, and we can introduce you to people, you know, references, and other organisations that have done these things to reassure you that all of those four, you know, pieces that in my mind fall into a POC, you know. You don't need to worry about any of those things. If you still feel that you want to understand any of those things, the code's out there, the software's out there. Download it, you know, fill your boots, enjoy, and let us know when you're when you're ready. The POV, the proof of value, the key part of that is value. Mm -hmm. Can you demonstrate value? Now, you mentioned about um does it work for them and that's the that's the value bit you yeah. know what benefit can they get you know does this help them solve a particular situation yeah, very much help business them? value here exactly exactly so i think we could spend a lot more time on these topics and trials and mm -hmm. pilots and things like that so maybe this is a, a a diversion we pick up on a future episode, but I don't want to. I don't want to go and mine all of this out because I think there's a lot to discuss here that yeah. maybe we should uh, we should save. But I yeah. do think there's a, there's a this is something there. that open source is a big part of of the understanding here, and it's a big part of a difference between being an OSS vendor and a proprietary vendor. Yeah, yeah. and for me, the POV is a longer engagement because you have to understand the customer you have to be invested in their organization and that is a paid engagement because a vendor simply cannot do that for free because it's way too resource intensive it just takes a lot longer and just I mean even a poc you can do right now 
I install it for you, see website comes up, it works, the end. I don't need to know who you are, what you are, I'm just proving that my software actually boots up. Mm. POV starts with understanding the business needs of the customer. Mm. And that's already a couple of weeks. Anyway, and, we're not going to talk about this any okay. further because too much, too much more here. And we've got one more misconception to wrap up on, which is, and this I think is, uh, this is almost religious at this point. <laughs> All open source is better than proprietary. Now, of course, that's actually, that's just the truth, isn't it? Surely. Um, well, I have no piece of my, of non-open source software on my Windows desktop machine here, so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I do think I do think there's a there's a significant chunk of religious fervor around this. Just that there is a a significant amount of of uh, almost. Um, almost religious belief in the other in the opposite direction as well like you get people that are very passionate about particular solutions for particular reasons and they believe that it is the best the only thing that you know matters in their in their world mm. in their life i think there's a distinction it mm -hmm. also changed over time i mean 10 years yeah. ago yes uh, open source was this this hippie something that's not that's not closer serious. to closer to 20 years ago but don't make me feel that old <laughs> okay i did make him spray his drink all over the floor mm -hmm. um i was gonna say now geez um <laughs> derailed success yes, dang it what was i gonna say i don't know anymore um yeah it's gone pick it up i mean Your fault. it's I mean, I am, I've spent 22, 23 years now in open source based solutions, services, companies, technologies, focus. Um, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't have that level of focus into open source if I didn't believe that it had huge benefits. And if I didn't enjoy the whole ecosystem, the whole experience, the community, the projects, the the people that I've I've met along the way that have similar thoughts and ideas, but that doesn't automatically mean that if you have an opportunity to either consume a service or deploy a closed source proprietary solution or deploy or consume an open source based solution, it doesn't always mean that the open source solution is going to be the better one, either the better one full stop, or even the better one for you. Uh, there's, there is no one size fits all in this equation, I think is one of the, the key things. And I, I love open source. I, I'm sure some people consider me to be an open source zealot of, of some flavor, but I really, I really try not to be because I know that it's not the right answer for everybody and it won't always be the right answer for everybody. Yeah, nothing can ever be the best in all circumstances. It always depends on the context around it. And Apart I've, from the Roaring Elephant podcast and coming to a cinema near you. Oh, first thing I hear of it, I'm not editing that movie. Uh, <laughs> you're trying to derail me again, aren't you? <laughs> yes. 
I got back on track on the previous derailment. I was going to skip it. I'm going to go back to it now just to annoy okay, you. Because you said you're either uh, religiously open source or religiously not open source. I think there's a difference there because, yes, religious open source exists, but religious closed source I have never seen. I have seen the nobody I could ever fire for buying IBM. Oh, no, I've seen religious closed source. That's right. something I haven't. It's more about they're totally in on a certain company or a certain product. But just, I love paying for software. I love closed source software. I love not seeing the content of it. I have not yep. seen that. I have seen people saying, okay, I'd like open source, but and then you have all mm. security, further stuff like that. But just saying, no, it needs to be closed source or else I'm not buying it. Uh, yeah. I've been lucky I, to see that. Uh, I have, unfortunately. And uh, yeah. It's not a lot of fun. I can, I can, I can certainly attest to. Right. And I had some very heated conversations of, you know, with people of who had that that level of thought. But like, like that's that was their opinion. That's how they viewed the world. Uh, those people are, I'm sure, very much retired at this point. Uh, this was these these were conversations I was having like 15 years okay, plus cool. ago, um, yep. which. You know, it was a different time. It was a different place. But would you imagine but, those still happening today? I don't think so. I don't think that there are that many people. I mean, you still see, you still see the occasional conversations. But I think to your point, they are more focused nowadays around, you know, they have a particular preference and they're using the open source versus closed source nature to defend it. Like the common one yeah. that you'll hear from someone who's a fan of a particularly a particular proprietary solution is is the oh well if the if the, the code is open then you know it's less it's less secure. It's more vulnerable to being compromised. That's that's the typical um, sort of yeah. angle that someone will go to if they're if they're that way inclined. And that, that's fine. Like that's that's the way they think of the world. It's very easy to defend against that, in my opinion. Um, well, so. yes and no, because there is no defense against religious salatism. I mean, if it's religious, don't do the discussion. I mean, if that's what you yeah. do, have fun with it, and we'll talk about something else. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, very good point. Very good point. I mean, I do... I think open source is about choice first and foremost in yep. a lot of different ways. Like you can you can choose to adopt it, mm -hmm. you can choose how to adopt it, you can choose when to adopt it, you can choose the rate at which you want to adopt it, and the ultimate choice is you can choose whether you want to adopt it at all, or whether you just want to, you know, keep an eye on it, keep a look yep. at it, carry on doing what you're doing for now. If it's working for you, if you don't need to make a change, maybe. Maybe it's right to stick with what you're doing, or maybe it's right to adopt another solution that is maybe easier for you to consume. Like there's no, as much as I would like everybody to use open source for everything, <laughs> it's probably a bit over the top, but I think there's, I think open source has more benefits than it has drawbacks. The open source motion and methodology, but I also know that it's not for everybody. And it's not the answer to every solution. Yeah. And you said there's a lot of questions, a lot of uh, freedom of choice. And typically when businesses make a decision, there's a compelling event somewhere. Yeah. And that compelling event will typically also kind of indicate which way you should go. 
if the compelling event is I can't find a product that has the flexibility, the the, the, the iterative approach, the the, the, the fast acceler accelerate innovation, you'll probably have to look at open source kind of stuff. If your mm. compelling event is I can't find educated people to maintain complex systems, you probably shouldn't look at open source that hardly because open source does have a bit of a learning curve often. The learning curve not being in the techno technological difficulties, but more of the understanding of community-driven approaches. Mm. Knowing that there's a bit of onus on yourself to figure stuff out. You need to, to reach out to the right people, find good partners, find good vendors. In the proprietary world, well, um, I'll buy, I'll buy sales, Salesforce. Everybody uses it. It's going to work, I guess. Oh, God. <laughs> I think that's the only reason people buy Salesforce these days. But Let's, let's not. Let's not sully our podcast with, with the SFDC word. You just did. Yeah. I mean, one example that came up in the news uh, just this week was, um, what was the, the AI, the AI project by the same people that did GPT-3. Um, So there was a Dal E. Have you seen this? So it came from the OpenAI uh, folks, and it's it's literally a neural network that can create images from text captions. Very <laughs> advanced, very impressive. Create images, um, not just match images, but create images. Create images. Wow. Yeah. Now this is closed source this is innovation at the like very very highest levels but it's closed source open now, ai this, made closed source software i know i know the but this is from the same people that that created uh the gpt3 um uh environment which was used you know a couple of years ago now to power all sorts of uh uh, automated text related mm. stuff so there was the the uh, the rpg sort of that you could uh uh you, you could uh, take part in and it would kind of generate the story all of, all of its own all that sort of thing now these are like real world examples of innovative like cutting edge stuff that's happening in a closed source and proprietary world like if you wanted to do this, like these are your only options. There is nothing that matches this level of sophistication or technology, at least yet, in the open mm -hmm. source world. And innovations happening all over the place. It's not just happening in open source. Well, do you think that OpenAI would be able to make this new thing if they didn't have the open source uh, experience they had before with the other things? Um, I'm not telling them that saying that they should, they're doing something they shouldn't be doing because, hey, they can do whatever they want. But I do think they have benefited from the experience, the rapid innovation oh, in, in machine learning and artificial intelligence while they were part of the, uh, and they're still part of the open source environment with the other projects they have. And from that experience, they were able to build this new thing. So even though it's closed source, I think it's still a bit open source. I mean, it's all, it's all the, you'll hear the phrase standing on the shoulders of giants a lot in, in the open source world as well. 
And well, in open source, you don't stand on the shoulders of giants; you stand on the shoulders of community. It's not a single political that are, figure. That it's are the giants. broad thing. It's the giant community. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's, I think the, the concept still stands true. Like the, I do agree that yes, this is definitely influenced by everything that's happening in uh, in the open source world, and I'm sure it is built on a bunch of open source technologies. But again, this is just you know. These are just kind of two kind of quick examples. Well, maybe to close off the episode, uh, considering open source is so much better than proprietary, will we soonish be in a world where everything is open source and there's no proprietary software in, anymore at all? Yeah, I don't think so. Well, I do. Ah. I, think, I think it's very unlikely. I think there will always be, there will always be proprietary software. Nope. I'd say it's all going to be open source, but the concept of open source will change. Ooh. <laughs> and without two businesses, the thing I'm just hinting at here is that closed source kind of understood that they need to change the way they do stuff. They have to adopt some open source principles. So the, oh, the really proprietary, totally closed, fenced off thing, it has to disappear. It's just evolutionary now that they have to adopt community-driven approaches. They have to adopt openness because they have to live in the world of today. Now, will it be everything open-sourced as in the 20 years ago open-source ideals? No, obviously not. I mean, as I said, that's 20 years ago open-source ideals, which are different from open-source today, which has become a business model. And the moment it becomes a business model, you can have influx from both sides, from the pure open-source, from the pure proprietary. It'll melt together into open-source 2.0. Let's, mm -hmm. let's, let's uh, patent that one. And from that point of view, everything will be open source at a certain point, but it will have a different meaning. Fair enough. I'm not sure I believe it, but it, it sounds wonderful. Well, we used to do prediction shows. This is my prediction for the next decade. <laughs> Fair enough. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll put a pin in this and we'll, we'll uh, get back to it in, in 10 years then. 2033, we're on our way. And with that, right. unless you have anything else to add. That's everything from me. Then that's all the time we have for today. You can support the podcast. Please become a patron. Contributions do help us uh, keep this quality content up and running. Can I say that? Well, I just did. We're on YouTube. You can like, subscribe, hit notification bells, do YouTube stuff. Make Dave happy boy. You can go to www.roaringelf.org. There's links to the Patreon page, the YouTube page. You can follow me on Twitter using the Roaring Elephant tag. And you can send feedback by email to podcast at roaringelephant.org. Until next time, my name is Everything's Cleared Out. Jon. And my name is the Bishop of the Church of Open Source, Dave. <laughs> and I'm not looking forward to that, but I'm looking forward to talking <laughs> to you again next week. <laughs> Goodbye. See you then. <laughs>